I was in the south this morning and we connected live stream to the service yeah who was here this morning absolutely powerful presence of God the presence of God was intense and as I was listening to the word the Lord was challenging me and I really had to think through a lot of things and I didn't have that much time to think I mean we got back there me Carmen Stephen and Angie absolute heroes helping serving in the south uh, give it up for them coming down with me Leaving at 6.30, getting back at like 2, 2.30. I got home, didn't even have lunch, put my head down, slept, and then got back here. But nevertheless, in, that, in those moments, I just felt the Lord realigning certain things in my own life. But that's what the presence of God does. One moment in the presence of God and you change. Simple. One moment in the presence of God and you change. Things change. The Apostle Paul, before that being Saul, a persecutor of the church, has one encounter with Jesus and then becomes the mighty Apostle. From somebody who was breathing threats of murder against the people of God to suddenly the great Apostle who's writing most of the New Testament. That's what happens one moment in the presence of God. One moment. One moment. If you, if you need change tonight, one moment in the presence of God is all it takes. One second. One second. So the title of my sermon, uh, I gave them a title. They were asking me and I had no title, but this is what I feel, whatever that says. <laughs> Rise up to responsibility is the title of my sermon. Amen. Uh, I take responsibility for that because I gave it to them last minute. <laughs> Genesis chapter 18. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, rise up to responsibility. Turn to another neighbor and say, take ownership. Amen. Genesis chapter 18. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked and behold three men were standing by him and when he saw them he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground now who is this character that is bowing himself to the ground this character who is he that is sitting here none other than uh father abraham abraham and i thought well maybe, actually i didn't think it's the lord who aligned it one of the greatest figures in the Bible, Abraham. When you talk about God, you talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What he's really known as, the patriarch, is a father. His claim to fame, his immortal glory, as it were, is his fatherhood. The fact that he's a father of the heart of God is fatherhood godly fatherhood God himself is our father Jesus constantly said I can do nothing but what I see my father do what I see my father do fatherhood being a father father Abraham and on that note I'm just going to take a moment and say my father is watching now I love you dad 
the best, the best dad, the best father, one of the greatest examples anyone could ever have. Your strength, your grace, your mercy, your love, tough love, many times. Thank you for being my father. Thank you, dad. And said, verse 3, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. That's what a man of God does. When God is moving, a man of God says, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. When the presence of God is in the building, in the church, real men of God are the ones crying, do not pass me by, Lord. Real woman of God has said, Lord, touch my life. I'm not going to be a spectator. Too many spectators. Too many people watching for a show. If you came here for a show, my brother and sister, there are movies on right now that you can go to. There's a show there. This is not a show. I don't preach to entertain. Feels like I haven't preached in ages. But when I get a chance to preach, it's not to entertain. I'm not a comedian. Even when I tell jokes, bad jokes. But too many times Christians have turned themselves into entertainers. The church into a show. Not realizing it's the house of God. Not a den of thieves. A house of prayer. Where we come together to experience the glory of God. That's why you're here. Amen. You made it through the heavy lunch on Father's Day. Through the comatose of those big meals, right? You got here. Today the Lord's going to touch someone and activate somebody. So Abraham gets these men, and who are these men? It's actually the Trinity, uh, the angel of the Lord, a Christophany, God himself coming as a person. Verse 16, then the men rose. These men, the Trinity, a Christophany, God himself appearing as a person, sitting with Abraham, that Abraham is worshiping and saying, don't pass by. These men, they rise up now from there, and they looked towards, uh, towards Sodom. Anybody ever heard that name before? Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham went with them to send them on the way, thinking they were about to leave. So these men, the Christophany, the angel of the Lord, God himself, they are looking at Sodom. And the Lord said, the Lord said this, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. Verse 19, get this. Father's Day. For I have known him. I have known him. There's an intimacy there. I've known him. I mean, the angel of the Lord, the Lord himself appears to Abraham Abraham says, don't leave. And then Abraham goes and prepares a meal. The Lord is sitting, chilling with Abraham while Abraham's in the kitchen making food. That's how God knows Abraham. <laughs> That's the level at which God knows Abraham. I have known him, but for what purpose? There's a purpose behind God knowing Abraham. For I have known him in order, meaning purpose, for this reason, that he may command his children. That he may command his children. 
and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. I have known Abraham so that he may command his children. Oh, that's a very unpopular opinion. You don't tell kids what to do these days. You don't tell a child what they should do. That kid tells you what to do. The child tells you what gender they're going to be. I was thinking, what should I preach? And I was thinking, your parenthood. Maybe I must preach on parenthood. That would be a weird title, parenthood, on a Sunday night. So I said, rise up to responsibility. You know, I've done a lot of work in, in schools with young people through my life. I have a bit more experience than people realize that I do. And honestly, I've said this quite a few times. I don't think I've said it from the stage ever before. But one of the greatest problems with this nation, one of the reasons it is declining is because of the lack of parenthood that exists. Weak parents. Oh, some people, I know you might get offended now. I'm just preaching a short while. Don't worry, it'll be over soon. God had no problem stating that Abraham is to command his household. Abraham, not Sarah. <laughs> I'm unapologetic. I'm not trying to get famous here on TikTok. That Abraham is to command his household in righteousness and justice. That's why I can, I can honor my father. My father doesn't give suggestion when I was young, when I was in school. He didn't give suggestion that you should go to church. He didn't give suggestion that you should follow God. He commanded me in the way of righteousness, sometimes with a belt. <laughs> hey, I, I survived. It's fascinating to me when I find through the nation, and it's everywhere, it's a pandemic. This is the real pandemic, right? Christian parents that suggest the ways of the Lord to their children, that they should just make up their own mind. No, no, they will not. The world will make their mind up. TikTok will make their mind up. Instagram will make their mind up. The, the, the teachers in the school will make their mind up for them. Very few people have the ability to form an independent opinion. They form it on the basis of the information they are given. And if they are constantly given ungodly, ideological, incorrect falsehoods and lies, that's how they will begin to form their opinion. So the Bible says, raise up a child in the way they should go, and when they are older, they will not depart from it. Raise up a child in the way. Raise them up in the way that they should go. Not No, raise them up. Raise them up. Take responsibility and raise them up in the way they should, that they should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. I have known Abraham that he may command his household. I'm not saying every child is going to be perfect. I'm far from perfect. I like to quote Paul and say, I'm the chief of sinners. 
But I can say I love God more than anything. I want to follow God. I want to live in the ways of God. And that's really what separates a child of God from the world. As a child of God, when you mess up, when you, when you, when you start to stray, there's this hunger and thirst in you to get back to God constantly. Like the prodigal son, I want to be back in my father's house. I'm tired of being here with the pigs. I want to be back in my father's house. That is what a child of God yearns for and longs for, even when they're with the pigs, because they've been raised up in the way that they should go. Just like the prodigal son, he was raised up and he came back in the end. I said one of the biggest pandemics is sometimes weak parenting. It fascinates me when I see Christian parents suggesting a way to their children or making a suggestion about church. For me growing up, growing up in South Africa, right? I had a, I'm digressing again, yeah, forgive me. When I was listening to Pastor Clive preach such a powerful word about men, the Lord is a man of war. Uh, I had this, uh, this, you know, this nostalgia of being back in Africa because, you know, in Africa, we walk with lions. That's just how it is, right? It's, it's just not the same walking with a kangaroo. I've got to be honest. It's just, it's just not the same, right? You don't get that, that surge of testosterone <laughs> that the roar of a lion gives you. <laughs> it fascinates me when I see that. How is it even a suggestion? Fathers lead, fathers guide. They do not leave their kids to the wolves of society. The wolves that exist. There is no ways I will ever let my son or daughter get taught about worldviews, perspectives, spirituality, history by some godless teacher in a school system because they went to a university for three years now they have the right the authority the ability to instruct my future children are you crazy let me say something unpopular you know if an adult goes to a child now and gives them sex toys and shows them pornographic material that's a criminal matter but it doesn't matter that it's in the schools non-stop it's happening in the schools 13 year olds are given sex toys by teachers and we're okay with that but if somebody else did that in the world what do you think would happen it's a criminal matter well they call it now it's in school so they call it health education Because he has a fact for those who don't know. Your sexuality determines your political views, your political points of views. The way you view sexuality ultimately determines how you vote. Did you know that? Teach a child in the way that they should go, and when they are older, they will not depart from it. So there is a battlefield in the schools right now for the future of a nation. And then as sometimes Christian parents, or for those who will be parents, every young person here, amen, 
even those right now believing for children, amen, as a married couple, the Lord is going to make you fruitful just like He did with Abraham and Sarah. So you can raise up godly children, not so you can worship them. I remember one day after doing some work in a school and I really connected with these kids. I remember it was a public school, so the person who gave me the opportunity said, you know, you're just not allowed to say the name of Jesus because you can say everything else, but you just can't say Jesus, right? So I used to, I used to speak about purpose and destiny, and then I, would, then I would criticize the system, and I would say, I want to tell you what I believe, but... I can't because the school says I can't. And all the kids want to know, please tell me, please tell me. I say, I'll tell you after school. <laughs> I'll never forget. I remember I saw after I stopped that, it was only a short while, a young guy, he, he saw me in the park one day. 14 years old, man, 13, 14 years old. He ran up to me. He's like, David, you won't believe, guess what? I stopped smoking, man. You know, and he was just so proud to say that he had quit smoking, age 14. I remember seeing a year or two, two years later after that, I saw a young guy at the train stations of Joondalup. You know what used to happen there? I mean, just drunkenness of teenagers, off their heads on drugs. And like two years later, he still remembered me, ran up to me, started speaking to me. And I started to minister to him and I said, listen, let me take you to church. Because I wasn't allowed to do that. As a sign of respect, I didn't do that, but I figured out ways to do it. Anyways, I said to him, come with me to church. He's like, yes, here's my address. Come pick me up on Sunday. Now this guy, young guy, teenager, he needs hope. He's wasting his life away. I looked into his eyes and I can see this is how you waste a life. This is how you create a criminal society. Gangs already, people letting young gangs just roll free. 13, 14 years old, gangs. Abusing people, assaulting people. It's a child. So I, I, I rock up there Sunday morning, knock on the door. And uh, a mother answers, to me, uh, answers the door, opens up, and I say, I'm here to see so-and-so. And he's like, oh, okay. Now, obviously, when I saw this door open and I saw the mother, I thought, my word, no, no, no wonder the brother is struggling. <laughs> so she's like, what, what, what now? Where do you want to take him? I said, church. And as soon as I said that, the sternest face growl came upon her. You will not take him to church. And I'm sure there's a few expletives in there as well. And then I realized, this poor kid, with full consent of the parents, already 15, 16 years old, he's hanging out with gangs, in drunkenness, full consent of the parents. That's okay. You can do that. Go live your life. Go live your life. Take drugs. Party as much as you want. But you will not go dare go to church take drugs as a 16 year old get wasted on the weekends but dare not go to church you dare not open that bible and read it 
What kind of parenting? That kind of parenting, what kind of society do you think that's going to produce? If parents, the only thing they command their kids is in the ways of ungodliness and to stay away from the gospel. And then people wonder, how is it that you have gangs, young gangs, roving around, committing felonies? How is it that society is declining at such a state? Because the parents are at work all the time. They see their kid for one hour at night and then the rest of the day they are thrown to the wolves many times with teachers that indoctrinate them non-stop on the phones TikTok, instagram being indoctrinated and then you as a parent just make it a suggestion the parents watching not the parents here the parents watching <laughs> the empty seats just make it a suggestion to follow god do you see that that is how you set up a failed society? So God comes and He says, this reason I have known Abraham, that he shall command his household. He shall command his children. Father, you are called to command your children. You are called to command your household, to lead in the way of godliness and righteousness, to show them the way of the Lord. That's why, and if you don't have a father, you come to the house of the Lord where there are many spiritual fathers that will command you in the ways of the Lord. They will show you how you should go, how you should live. One of the greatest examples for me growing up as a teenager, why I never, aban never abandoned the faith, was I saw my father, I saw Pastor Ut, Pastor Ut in South Africa, and I looked at these men who commanded. They didn't suggest, suggest they commanded as military men they were actually in war men of war they actually fought battles not like the weak people politicians and leaders we see now these men command and i looked at them and i knew god is real because of the example of their life i saw the strength that I, uh, they had and when a teacher at school wanted to tell me something else i looked at them and i'm like listen the last person i ever want to be like is you teacher it's just a fact i'm just being real i'm just being real now you say, no, you're anti-teachers. No, no, I'm, I'm pro. Righteous teachers. Righteous teachers. Teachers. Righteous. But the fact is, I know in this city, I figured it out very quickly, that chaplains are even scared to say the name of Jesus. They're scared they're going to get fired. Did you know that? Did you know that? A chaplain, what is a chaplain but a minister of the gospel is in a school afraid to talk about Jesus. Apart from just responsibility for the household, we are called to take responsibility as men. I realize it's too easy to abdicate responsibility. It's too easy. That was one of the things I was challenged on this morning. It's too easy to abdicate responsibility to somebody else. To say it's not up to me. To say it's not up to me. 
It's too easy to abdicate responsibility. But when God touched Abraham's life, responsibility was laid upon him. A burden was laid upon him to raise up a righteous family, a righteous household, a righteous lineage. Responsibility was laid upon him. And so you see the amazing pastors movement around the world. Responsibility as spiritual fathers is laid upon them to raise up a righteous spiritual household. We, now I'm addressing men specifically now, responsibility is laid upon us to provide and protect for the household of faith. To protect, to guide and to lead the household of faith. One of the reasons I've started studying law and will next year finish law and then qualify as a lawyer is because I saw how it was decimating Christians. And I thought, are there any Christian lawyers that can stand up and take responsibility? One of the reasons I've started a business that God is blessing tremendously is because I saw the decimation upon people of God losing jobs. And I thought, who is there to take responsibility for the household of faith? to provide for the household of faith because we live in a society of selfishness it's all about me it's all about what can I get how much can I get what is in for me what's interesting is that the promise and destiny of Abraham was linked to his righteous fa- his family being righteous. That's what God says. That he would command his household that he might ultimately inherit what I've promised him. That your destiny, did you know that? Your destiny, our destiny is linked to us as a people. Not just you as an individual, but as a people. The church, Christians, fulfilling their purpose. It's up to us to provide. You know what, maybe, maybe teachers in the school, Christian teachers, wouldn't be afraid of preaching the gospel. Christian university professors wouldn't be afraid of standing for righteousness if there were businessmen that would provide for the household of faith that they knew they could stand up for righteousness because even if they were fired, there would be righteous businessmen and women that would support them, that would bear their burdens, that would back them up. Not just Christian businessmen looking for another boat to buy another boat, to buy another car. Is that our purpose? Is that what we live for now? When decimated by wickedness, how easy is it just to slip into the apathy of self-centeredness? And it's all about me. As long as I've got a job and as, as long as I'm earning over 100K a year and I've got a car, then I'm all good, man. My personal peace and my personal prosperity is all that matters. It doesn't matter if my brothers and sisters in the faith are being persecuted. It doesn't matter if my brothers and sisters in the faith don't have jobs or are lost or suffering. 
that is anti-fatherhood. It's anti-the gospel. It's anti-God. It's anti-responsibility. But when you become a Christian, responsibility is laid upon our shoulders. To provide, protect, care for one another. And I think a lot of Christians avoid responsibility because they church hop. Because they're never actually part of a village, a family, a tribe. Because as soon as they're part of a tribe and they say, this is my people, this is my family, then responsibility is laid upon you to help your brothers, brothers and sisters, to be there for your brothers and sisters, to raise one another up, to protect, provide, lead, care, guide, stand with, in the good and the bad, the thick and the thin, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. There's a commitment that is laid upon you when you're part of a family. I'm there for my family, no matter what. And I know they're there for me. That's family. That's family. The Bible says there's one that sticks closer than a brother. Why does it say closer than a brother? Because brothers stand together. And that's, but as the people of God, it should be we stick closer to one another than brothers stick with each other. But we live devoid of responsibility. So we just jump from tribe to tribe, church to church. And we say, I'm part of the collective. No. Where's your responsibility to? Where's your commitment to? Where are you caring for? Where are you guiding? Where are the people that you are leading, discipling? Responsibilities laid upon us, my brothers and sisters, in every area of life and society. Now I realize it's too easy in this day and age to live for self, to live for one's own comfort, for one's own protection. What difference would we, could we make in this society? If we knew our brothers and sisters had our back no matter what. That they weren't gossiping and slandering behind our backs and trying to pull us down. But they had our backs so we could stand against the world knowing our back is covered. I want to be that man. That if a teacher is fired for standing for the gospel and will not teach wickedness that they covered they're provided for, that the single mother is provided for. Because some weak guy left the family, the fathers in the church become a father to their child and raise him up in the ways of the Lord. Is this too radical for some people? Is this too radical? Is this too much? This is what I was raised up in, the environment, constantly being called to be a man to be a protector, to be a provider. And I realized the selfish life of living for myself and my own personal peace and comfort is anti the responsibility that God calls me to and calls us to. Now this is the last thing I'm going to read and then we're going to pray. And the Lord said, because, so God says, I'm going to show righteousness, or Abraham's going to raise his family up in righteousness and justice, and that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him, verse 20. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, verse 21, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it um, that, that, that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood, still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteousness of the wicked? So 
suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such this thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. He's saying this to God. He's taking the risk and he's saying to God, God, whatever you do, don't slay the righteous, meaning his own people. Lord, protect your people. Do not slay your people. He's taking responsibility for his people. But beyond his people, he's even trying to save a wicked people. A people that's not his. He doesn't even live there, but he's taking responsibility for others. And he stands before God to save people that don't even know him. So the Lord said, verse 26, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare, uh, spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham said, Indeed now, I am but dust, and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. So he humbles himself. Suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city for lack of five? So he said, if I find their 45, I will not destroy it. So Abraham starts very smart negotiation. He starts to negotiate with the Lord. Abraham is going to gain nothing out of this. He's not going to make dollars out of this. He's not going to make money out of this. But now he starts to intercede. That's what intercession really is. It's taking responsibility for a people who don't even know you, couldn't even care about you, that might actually want to destroy you. That's what... Abraham is doing he's standing before the Lord and he's saying God please don't destroy them save them and he spoke to him yet again and said suppose there should be 40 found there so, he, so God said I will not do it for the sake of 40 then Abraham said let not the Lord be angry and I will speak suppose 30 should be found there so the Lord said I will not do it if I find 30 there and he said, indeed now, I have taken upon myself to speak to you, Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy, destroy it for the sake of 10. But there was not even 10 found there. So the Lord went his way. As soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. What we find here, the bank can come up, is something incredible. Incredible. We see this patriarch, Abraham. He was a man a few chapters ago. You could read it. He goes when his family, family members are captured. He goes and he becomes this warrior. And he fights against nations to get his family back, to protect his own family. This family that he's commanded to raise up in righteousness and justice in the ways of the Lord. But then beyond that, encountering God to this extent, to this level, he figures out that God, it's on God's mind to destroy Sodom because of the depravity and the wickedness. And what he does, he realizes at this point that there is nobody standing before God and the wickedness of the city, the state of the city. So he steps in. He steps into actually, if you read in the account, a very dangerous place. He realizes what he's doing. He's taking a risk to even negotiate with God at this level. And he steps out and he takes responsibility for a people that's not even his. 
And he begins to negotiate with God to say, can you save this whole city for the sake of 50? And he gets God to say, okay, if there's 50 people in there, I'm going to save it. I won't destroy it. And he's like, well, what happens if there's just five less than 50? 45, would you destroy it? And we see Abraham standing before a living God and a dead city, trying to save it, trying to do what he can to rescue this people. And that's really the picture of responsibility. The picture that I want to leave with you tonight. Are you just living for your own comfort and self? Have you moved your Christianity to the point where it's all about you? And who cares what happens to anybody else? As long as I've got my car and my boat and I can travel up north and down south and I'm happy, I'm comfortable, I've got money. There's no one trying to cancel me. So me and God, we're good at that level. Come to church for a show, to be entertained. Come to church, get entertained. Be back next month, get entertained again. Live your life for yourself. And what you've done is you've stripped yourself of truly any eternal significance. You are living a life that makes no difference to anyone else, especially not for the kingdom of God. Now, you might sit there and say, how dare you say that? But if I don't say that to you, who else is going to say that? Because they too, they too caught up in how many likes they get on Instagram. And if their TikTok video is shared... And their next relationship. They're not going to tell you. So maybe this is you in church and you haven't been for months. Well, yes, somebody telling you. Live for something more than yourself. Take responsibility beyond yourself. There is a people that need the love of Christ. There is the family of God that needs your support. There are people waiting on the other side of your obedience to the call of God. Are waiting out there that only you can reach, that only you can really help, that Jesus is calling you to be the hand, His hands and feet to them. It's so easy in this day and age to get caught up in materialism, in things that mean nothing eternally. I pray tonight that somebody, uh, that God would engrave eternity upon your eyes. That the children you have, you have duty laid upon you that has eternal significance. That if you don't intervene, a system out there is going to ultimately destroy them. That there's a youth out there. That's why it's, it's not even an option anymore that we have youth ministry for teens. It's not even an option anymore. 
There's people that need to get involved in that. Get involved. Those men here, we have to all rise up and take responsibility like Abraham for the people of God, for the unsafe, for a city. Because if not us, then who? If not us, then who? If not you, then who is going to reach your community, your surroundings, the people around you, in your workplace? If not you, then who? Let's stand to our feet in this place. I know tonight for some people might be very challenging. Responding really to the urgency that house, our pastor that's been preaching with an urgency for revival. And I realize for revival, we have to take responsibility. Some home cell leader has to take responsibility in their home cell and say, in my home cell, there will be revival. Some parent, some father has to take responsibility in his household and say, I am drawing the line. Life or death, I will not allow wickedness to pass into this household anymore. Some parent has to make a decision, whether you're a single father or a single mother, that I will raise this child up in the way of righteousness. I will do not deny them the presence of God because it's popular to do otherwise. Responsibilities laid upon you parents to teach your children. I say that unapologetically. The last thing you ever want to do is get to heaven, stand before the Lord and look and realize that you never took up your responsibility and now your kids are suffering because of it. Because you gave them over to the wolves. You denied them the presence of God. You kept them from the presence of God, but handed them over to a system that seeks to enslave and slaughter them. Right now, ultimately, it's like we see Sodom in many respects. Make no mistake, Sodom was prosperous. There was a prosperity there. Just because there's wealth, just because you live in a good home doesn't mean it's not morally Sodom, that it's not spiritually Sodom. But you know what? As the, the great man of God, Leonard Ravenhill said, Sodom had no Bible. We do. We have the instruction. We have the Holy Spirit. And I'm calling, especially specifically men tonight, and women as well, strong women of God, to rise up and take responsibility. To take responsibility and we start in our responsibility like Abraham by interceding by coming before God and interceding before God interceding on behalf of others even those that might hate you those that might have hurt you those that might be against you even if your children right now are against you might hate you for some reason you stand before God and like Abraham you intercede we come before God tonight and we stand before a city 
and we see the corruption, we see the wickedness, we see the depravity, we see the hurt, we see the loneliness, we see what is happening and we stand before God and we begin to intercede, we, get, we begin to pray. But that prayer, it's a prayer of responsibility. You realize that you know God, grace has been bestowed upon your life and you, you come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in a time of need. And so I'm asking us now to begin to pray, but pray the prayer of responsibility. Pray that prayer and say, God, I am asking you to intervene. Some of you, you need to pray, God, forgive me. I've abdicated my responsibility, but tonight I take it up again. I pick it up again. As a man of God, I'm going to run again. I'm going to stand firm again. I can't live for a like on Instagram. That is the opposite of manhood. Amen. That is the opposite of being a man of God. Some of us as men, I realize we have abdicated our strength to things we shouldn't. We have delegated our responsibility. You can never delegate your responsibility as a parent to the school system. So actually right now, I feel two things. Fathers and men, fathers and men, fathers and men, we're going to worship now. Those that tonight, God has stirred your heart to step up, take responsibility. And you know, I'll be the first to admit me, I'm the first one. God has stirred radically in my heart, challenged me radically. And maybe that's why the challenge comes out like it does, because the challenge first comes to me a hundred times harder. Fathers and men that realize, man, it is my duty to command my household. It is my duty to command my future household. It is my duty to protect and care for the family of God. Some of you are comfortable in your wealth. How can you be comfortable? There is the family of God that needs provision. They need provision. The purpose of God needs provision. Sometimes you need to increase in your business because there are others that you can help and you can impact. Nobody cares if you have a fast car. They're impressed for a moment, but it changes no one eternally. It changes no one's life. So that's you as a man. You realize, Lord, I'm taking up my duty. I'm going to be that businessman that's going to provide for the family of God, for the household of faith that's going to, that's going to rise up. Or maybe you're a man that says, God, I've got young children uh, as a father. I'm going to be that father now and take responsibility to command them in the way of the Lord. Or maybe you're a young man that says, I'm going to stand up in my generation. I'm going to be a man of God. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be controlled and manipulated by the system anymore. If that's burning on your heart, if that's burning on your heart, we're going to pray for you fathers and men. Come out of your seats now. Come, uh, come to the front. Whether it's one or whether it's ten, it doesn't matter. It's those that God is speaking to now. When God speaks you respond amen and I want everybody to begin to intercede stand and begin to pray for them because God's gonna empower young men I had a pastor a pastor in a church come he said to me this Saturday he said there's something about your church where the young men the strong men serve and it's not like that anywhere else and he, that's what he said to me and I said well you know what it's because we got a strong leader a strong pastor that's in this house pastor Clive amen pastor pastor Sharon so I want you as we're going to...
Pray. We're going to pray for them. Now I want you to begin to pray for them. That they are fathers and future fathers. Amen. That are going to raise children up. The household of faith. They are going to be men that, are, that rise up in a generation like Abraham's. Like Abraham. Lord, I pray for them now. And I need fathers, real fathers to come, spiritual fathers to come lay hands on these men. Yeah, spiritual fathers. Fathers to come lay hands on these young men. Pray for them. Pray for them. Intercede for them. Come on, come on, intercede, family. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. Intercede. Come on, be like Abraham. Intercede. Speak to God. Speak to God and say, God, empower them. Strengthen them, Lord Jesus. Make them mighty young men. Make, make them mighty fathers. Let them raise up mighty households. That their children, as the Word says, will be mighty on the earth. We stand on that promise right now, Lord Jesus.